Welcome to the Bards FM podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to a conversation with Lieutenant Colonel Retired Pete Chambers, Special Forces. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction, righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher, soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, patriots. Tonight we have a very special guest, which I'm very excited to present. This is Lieutenant Colonel Retired Pete Chambers, who's also a medical doctor. He's been one of the powerful voices on Capitol Hill most recently and one of the instrumental voices in overturning the vaccine mandates for our soldiers, which, if you didn't know, was just overturned in the new passing of the NDAA, the National Defense Authorization Act. We're going to hear a lot from him very shortly. He's had a very interesting career and as happens so often when I meet people like this, we, he and I have been in similar places and worked with the same common, same types of people and some by name. So this is, it's a really interesting interview as well, just from his perspective on where we are as a nation and what is going on in our armed forces. Huge issues. Patriots, before we begin, one thing we do have to be very cognizant of is that we are dealing with a very evil tyrannical government. They have lost their way and they have no qualms in trying to destroy your life to make you subservient to them. This is sadly the true definition of despotism and we've arrived there. Part of that is they're going after people's money. If you haven't been paying attention, Bank of America now has decided and let everybody know that it's their right to close down an account anytime at their will whenever they want without cause. And this has happened to a number of people. And part of that is that the way the banking structure is set up in the fine print, it isn't really our money once we give it to them. You need to preserve your wealth in whatever way possible, and that's why you need to speak to the folks at Birch Gold. Are the Biden administration's New Year's goals of tax and spend and turned a blind eye to inflation? at odds with your goals of securing your savings? When you finally had enough of the games government is playing with your savings in retirement, diversify into gold with Birch Gold. I am tired of my money being impacted by stupid decisions by leaders in Washington. For over 5,000 years, gold has withstood inflation, geopolitical turmoil, and stock market crashes. And here's the great news, you can still get it. In fact, you can own gold and silver in a tax-sheltered retirement account. Birch Gold makes it easy to convert an IRA or 401k into an IRA in precious metals. Here's what you need to do. Text the word BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898 to claim your free info kit on gold. With almost 20 years experience converting IRAs and 401ks into precious metals IRAs, Birch Gold can help you. Protect yourself with gold today by texting BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to the number 989898. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, thousands of happy customers, and countless five-star reviews. Secure your future with gold. 
Start today with a free info kit. There is zero obligation to make this request. Just text BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898. Birch Gold. Again, text BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898. This is the best way to start the new year. So text BARDS to 989898. You won't be disappointed. All right, Patriots, so here's the challenges that we are facing right now, and there are many. We have an open border that looks like Swiss cheese. We have thousands of people coming across every day. Yuma, Arizona has stated now that it's on the verge of imploding as a city because of the number of refugees, ah, wrong term, illegals coming across the border. We have a massive problem, obviously, of corruption of our children, the war that's being waged on their minds to get parents to castrate them willfully or to have girls' breasts cut off and then getting them on hormone blockers to mutilate them for the rest of their lives. The war is being waged heavily on children. And sadly, we have parents that are too stupid to understand what's actually going on. We lack strong leadership in this nation, significant leadership. I'm trying to even understand this post today. President Trump is saying that Pence is innocent, leave him alone. I swear Rod Sterling has taken over the control of the matrix because every time I I hear something from President Trump these days, it's like walking farther into the twilight zone. We have a Congress that is slowly meandering towards trying to reset a budget that's so far in debt we'll never pay it back. And they're trying to slowly correct an absolutely destroyed government structure, trying to reestablish the confidence in the people but we don't control the Senate and we still have a hand puppet, Joe Biden running the main seat of the country and all of his cronies. And this list just goes on. We have warships of Russia off each of our coasts. I have no idea what that means. And at this point in time, if the Russians came waltzing on into the country, I'd probably shake their hand because I think they would be better oriented towards their faith in God than our own military because our military is absolutely upside down. I say that tongue in cheek, obviously. We have amazing veterans in this nation. And we also have a sprinkling of amazing commanders within the ranks that are holding the line. We are blessed to have one of them in our regular member in Bard's nation. But within this, there's always some people that come out of this and that stand out. And this particular person tonight you're going to hear from is Lieutenant Colonel Retired Pete Chambers. Now, there's really something powerful about the lieutenant colonel rankings in our, in our military. We're going to talk about that today in this interview. And it's just good to know that there's still great soldiers. One thing I just want to remind people of, and this is for our soldiers out there as well, that the melee event that happened in Vietnam established a precedent in our military that is being lost and intentionally buried by a very corrupt command structure in our military right now. And what the Cali event established was that in the Malay massacre, what we was, every soldier ended up being punished. And people said at the time, I shouldn't be punished. I just was following orders. Here's the thing. Every soldier has a duty to stand up against an illegal order. The problem is the commands will make them feel like they're criminals and will try to punish them for doing it if they do the right thing. And the military right now is in the process right now of trying to do just that, punish those, even though the mandates have been removed, they're now moving through selectively to punish those that had the courage to stand up to this vax. That may mean 
a suspension of orders for a new duty station. That may mean a, a limitation on where they can go with their career. It may mean that they've already so disparaged them in the military that their career is ruined. Others, like there's a Lance Corporal right now that they that they dropped the charges on on this vax in 2022. And now since the mandate was dropped, because this corporal, this Lance Corporal did not take the daily swab tests or whatever they were required to do, they're now prosecuting this corporal under Marshall under the um, UCMJ and trying to kick them out of the military or give them prison time for violating an order. Okay, that would be a general to dishonorable discharge. Another, we these are the heroes right now in our in our ranks. Now, Lieutenant Colonel Pete Chambers, who was in Afghanistan, in Iraq, he and I actually worked with one common commander, a couple of them actually. He has put up the fight in, intensely. And I mentioned this last night, and it will come up, but I want to highlight this before we start the interview today. I'm hard on anybody that takes the vax. You know that. This is the first person that I tip my hat to for taking the injection. And let me tell you why. And I'm not saying I don't tip my hat to, any, to anybody, but this is why. He made the decision to take the injection because if he didn't take it, he wasn't going to be able to deploy with soldiers and to give them briefings as to why they should not take the vax. He sacrificed himself to save young soldiers. And let me tell you, that's the type of mentality we just don't see that much of these days. He's an amazing man. And he's active to this day. And he's also going to talk about the border issues that are going on down at our southern border. So before we begin... One last message is to make sure from our friends at Patriot Supply that you are taking good care of yourself and prepping for the disturbances and probably instabilities that our government will be happy to bring to your front door, including food. Patriots, you can hide your head in the sand or you can face the future head on. Those are your two options. If you want to remain free and self-reliant, despite whatever happens in the world, you need to get yourself enough emergency food so you can survive the coming chaos in our society. You can fully expect food shortages if everything breaks down. And if you don't already have enough food on hand, you will regret it. So do yourself a favor and go to preparewithbards.com and save $200 on a three-month emergency food kit from My Patriot Supply. They're the nation's largest preparedness company and they're knocking $200 off the regular price of their three-month kit to help make it affordable for families who are feeling the pain of inflation right now. At this price, get one kit per person for your family. These kits are in stock and they ship fast and free. Save $200 per kit when you go to preparewithbards.com, preparewithbards.com. Patriots, I've said it so many times, food security is the foundation of personal sovereignty. So head on over to preparewithbards.com and take advantage of this amazing offer. Do it today. That's preparewithbards.com. You will not be disappointed. Great company. One of the best in the nation right now. All right, Patriots. So without further ado, let me introduce to you Lieutenant Colonel Retired Pete Chambers. Well, Patriots, today I am really honored to have a very special guest who, and as things always happen with this, we end up having a background that in strange ways we've worked with the same people. And this is Lieutenant Colonel retired Pete Chambers, 
who has also become an outstanding voice to protect our soldiers in this current craziness of this mandate of vaccines. So, um, Pete, welcome to the show. How are you? Well, thank you, Scott. It's good to be here. I'm doing great. Happy to be alive and, uh, and kicking in this crazy world we're in. Absolutely. It is crazy. I, why don't you start with a little bit of a background on yourself? Because was, it was a surprise to me when we talked and just the com- some of the people we had commonly worked with and real honor right. too, to, to get to know you a bit. Yes, sir. Um, I've been a, I'll just say this. I'm a soldier. I've only known that job since 1983 when I came in under Ronald Reagan as an infantry kid. Uh, I've worked as a, you know, a, a grunt, a paratrooper, a scout. Um, got out for a little while, went to college, med school. My dad was a family doc. I was interested in medicine. Didn't know I was going to do it. Ended up doing it. Uh, 9-11 happened, came back in. Uh, when I came back in, it took me a little while to get back into, you know, going through the, the ropes. So it was about 2003 before I really got busy. And my first appointment was to Iraq. I uh, did that with uh, uh, 90 days boots on ground infantry. Just, you know, they tagged me on. I was in a special forces unit. They were not deploying at the time. Uh, but then I went over to the uh, third group, third special forces group, and they were really busy and uh, got got deployed. And, and somewhere along the way, um, I said, I'm going to go to the Q course because I got tired of being on the on the X, so to speak, with my guys and not having the same training. So uh, I was going to resign my commission. I, I did write it on paper. They sent me to the shrink. Uh, the shrink I actually went to med school with, Bob, I'll just say his name. And Bob says, Pete, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm going one way or another. He said, let me run down this down to the boss. General Mulholland signed off on it. I went to the Q course and said, don't quit. You know, all that good stuff. I was 45 years old, a little older than most. So I uh, went to Selection Q course, first doc to be sent through all that process. Subsequently, we've got uh, four, four other docs through. So we've got five that have been through that program particularly. Um, but it put me in the in the closest proximity I could to the to the what I would say some of the greatest Americans in the world, in the, you know, in the nation, uh, some of the greatest soldiers in the world at the tip of the spear. And I, I spent a lot of time there, uh, either as a special staff, the commander uh, near the X, not not kicking doors, but right there, uh, as close as I can get my hands on a soldier uh, post injury, um, and then uh, I did that for a while. 2015, got out of the active duty, and uh, I deployed to Iraq, Afghanistan, the normal sweet vacation spots, and then uh, came back to Texas Guard, and they let me come in as an 18 Alpha, which is a Special Operations Commander. So I did that. I went down to the 19th Special Forces Group down there in Bullis, Camp Bullis, Texas. Uh, near San Antonio and uh, got deployed again and then uh, had the best tour of my life because I was a commander and then I uh, was able to come back from that and uh, they surprised me and told me you got rank you are now lieutenant colonel and I said okay well you know I'm not going to go to uh, Utah or Alabama because that was the nearest post they had that spot so I've stayed in the National Guard with Texas as a flight surgeon and uh had some great deployments. The COVID mission was not one of the great ones, but I did support that, uh, the response to COVID, the initial phases. Uh, got sent to the border. That was a great job because I was first time in my military career was actually what I thought and I know defending the United States border against an invasion, which is currently going on right now in the name of Operation Lone Star along 1,248 miles of Texas border with Mexico. Wow. And that brings me up to speed. That sure does. Can you just describe a little bit, because I think this will help in just as we move forward. Uh, mm-hmm. you, we had just talked beforehand, UW, Unconventional exactly. Warfare, and just kind of give that in a context for people that don't necessarily understand that versus direct action. 
Right. So um, special operations or special forces, particularly, their their specialty yeah, coming out of the uh, history of the operation or uh, the uh, Office of Strategic Services, World War II type. Um, their specialty is unconventional warfare, which falls under irregular warfare. And there are many types of that to include the one we're in now, fifth generation warfare. But unconventional warfare is where small groups of uh, experienced soldiers enter into a country via air, land or sea and link up with a partisan force or a force that has a uh, illegitimate government or a, um, a government that's oppressive to them. Uh, and uh, we train them and we then employ them as we do in any type of battle. We bring them up to speed, kind of what we did with Afghanistan, but it was that was called foreign internal defense along the same lines. It just depends on what side of the, the uh, leadership that you're in the country. So unconventional warfare works where 12 guys on an operational detachment trained up to the equivalent of a battalion. So somewhere, somewhere around 600 uh, fi fighters, be it uh, Afghan commandos or, uh, you know, in the Libya operation, things like that, where, where they train them to go then out and do sabotage, subversion, uh, and then all the way up to direct action, linear battlefield stuff. And that's uh, what we call force multiplier, if you will. That's kind of the quick way to say it. No, it's well said, I, and that's and that's exactly what we kind of needed because going forward, as we're going to kind of talk about what we're faced with, we are really in a UW environment right now. Would you agree? I would say that we are, and in many ways, we're in a counterinsurgency environment. If you not not kinetic, but if you think about, you know that that we are looked as by some people's estimate that uh, some people who are against the uh, the the globalist agenda, let's say are looked at like they're insurgents. And so we're, you know, we, we're being conducted counterinsurgency upon us, but we are in an unconventional environment because the actors, the bad actors that are out there in the world are hitting us in this irregular warfare, which is uh, fifth generation that uh, General Flynn recently wrote about. Yes, indeed. So let's talk a little bit about your COVID deployment and that'll kind of lead sure. us into some of your current work as well. Sure. So yeah, the COVID deployment, uh, I was tapped on the shoulder and said, Hey doc, guess what? You're not doing anything right now. You're going to, uh, support the governor's task force, state of Texas. That'd be governor Abbott. And that is going to be at the state operations center in Austin, Texas. And you'll be advising their command or their, the, the state, uh, department of, uh, safety and, and health, health, and human resources. Uh, you'll be, uh, advising them, but also liaising to us on the guard side as to what the needs of the governor's staff is. And in doing that, we started with day one where you get the you know Imperial College of London model and the Stanford model and the Texas A&M model that said that you know a third of the state of Texas is gonna die in six months. That was the first thing that came out. Now I'm being facetious, but that's what we heard. Oh my gosh, the sky is falling. We gotta build beds, we gotta get ventilators, we need. PPE. We spent in, I think in the first month, we spent $54 million on PPE in the state of Texas alone under uh, provisions that were provided for under, for us, we got put onto title 10, which is kind of being put back on active duty, but was paid for by the care act. So you get all this money, we got to spend all this money, but over time, me as a good scout, if you will, um, and, and an ER trained guy, I just started calling ERs and finding out that it wasn't as bad as we thought. And we really don't need all this stuff. And then when I went to the warehouses and noticed it coming in, I'm looking at boxes of PCR tests with Chinese words on the side saying, why are we getting this from the place where this 
what I believe weaponized um, viruses coming from. And I didn't know anything more than anybody else, but I just, you know, I, you know, when you hear hoofbeats in Texas, you think about a horse and not a zebra. So I'm sitting there thinking, all right, this just doesn't seem right. You know, there's this Wuhan thing and all this, but uh, I didn't know anything more than anybody else, but I was following people like Lee Merritt, like Dr. Cole, like, uh, not Malone, um, McCullough, and just paying attention to that because it was early. We didn't have bears data out yet. We really didn't see a lot. You know, we didn't see a lot. So we would go out the state of Texas throughout the state. And I would, my job was to coordinate um, sending people out into the periphery of the state, conduct PCR tests as well, to identify places looking for beds, bed space if we needed it, to coordinate with FEMA, to bring in uh, camps, if you will, to uh, tents and beds and things like that if we had to go that far. We never had to. And that's uh, my job in a nutshell. Today we're faced with a real crisis in our military. And I know that you're one of those people on the point on this and it's it's worse than just saying a, a, an injection that is now as it's unraveling the the medical evidence is coming out that it is it's da- causing extreme damage on a lot of people but more importantly the department of defense until very recently has mandated this for every one of our soldiers they they did they did mandate it and recently uh, the last ndaa was pulled the mandate was pulled understand that and that took a lot of fight that took a lot of fight and it wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for people standing up and people that are still in uniform right now, getting the brunt of the, uh, what we'll call shadow regulation system, if you will, that, uh, is, is, uh, hampering a lot of their careers and, uh, but they're still staying in the fight and God bless them because they are the true heroes in this particular war. Um, but for me, it started down on the border when it was mandated, what it was August 24th, I believe of last year, uh, when the military had to take it. Now, bear in mind, the operation was going on before that. And I was sent from the task force for the COVID task force down to the task force for the border. We started with 600 troops. We went up to 10,000 troops on the border. But while that was going on, the people that were coming on were young, didn't need the shot. I had start doing, I started doing my own informed consent. I got it on my website, my original one, just so you could check my math. And you go, wow, he was kind of right on some of this stuff. And some I just didn't know. Uh, but but as these soldiers would come on the border, I would just do briefings in rooms of 500 at a time. And I'd tell them, y'all don't need it. And here's why. And I'd give them, I had 90 something slides, but I'd probably go through 30 and, and hid the rest if they had questions. And I gave it to them. I said, read it. And, 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 and if you want to come in, you can. But when it was mandated, that's where I had the problem. And when it was mandated, the command came down to me and said, quit doing informed consents. And I said, I, I'm sorry, I can't. Roger, good, you know, good, good thinking. Nice try. But, you know. Quit doing informed consents. Got this letter from the command saying, you know, you will cease and desist. A two-star general got my chili, got my face, and literally said to me, it's not about the science, doc. It's about the policy. Wow. Said, sure, sure, that's a that's a that's an unlawful order. I can't accept that. And he lost his mind and they subsequently fired me from the border. It took them a little while to find somebody to replace me, but they did. They replaced me with a Yale graduate who was the COVID czar, I'll call him. But anyway, that's where that started for me. Where it went to was uh, a lot more. Um, it was a lot more heartbreaking because then, when the DMED data, the Defense Medical Epidemiology Database data, came out, when Dr. Teresa Long out of Fort Rucker uh, called me and we talked about it, and I don't use that tool, but I did. I pulled it up and I looked at it and said, "This is through the roof." And I'll tell you, the one that that really got me the most was the thing that I was seeing on the border, which was um, stroke-like symptoms, and my command on the medical side was saying. Oh, it must be just heat casualties. Well, they were getting admitted to the hospital with strokes 
maybe you know ER doctors in these civilian hospitals are not making this up. Well, we're just not going to attribute it to the shots, and that that's when uh, a lot of alarms went up. I was a whistleblower to Senator Johnson at that point. Um, he he gave our names on live TV and C-SPAN. I had to give my name. I was a shadow warrior before that. It became an entity that was known. Uh, so I went from, you know, Green Beret, doctor, you know, golden child of spe special forces medicine, not saying that about myself, but when you're one of five in the whole inventory to uh, persona non grata in about two weeks. And, uh, you know, not even my own command would talk to me. Wow. This is... Um... The depth of your story is what I zero in on when you're sharing that is the idea that you stood up to an illegal order. Roger that. And this this goes back to Cali. Yes, sir. In Vietnam. And and I've talked a lot about this on the show, which is unfortunately soldiers don't understand to a large degree, I think, anymore that they have a lawful right and responsibility to push back against an illegal and unlawful order. Do you, do you agree? You know, it's 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 funny, Scott, you say that because today I was on a show early this morning out of Tokyo, Japan, and somebody wanted to interview me that I brought up Cali. I mean, I brought that up this morning. And I said, if if you call out the commanders like me who are, are um, critical thinkers and we call all those people out, you're going to be left with the Cali's. That's what you're going to be left with. So I do agree. And I and I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that that's where they are headed to if we do if we those of us that are what i call the true white hats you know there's no plan there's no trusting any plan we've got the plan we are the white hats you know we the people are are essentially that you don't have to be military um but we are the ones that are going to get that done but it's taken you know a toll it's taken a toll on our military 20 percent decrease in uh, in recruiting in the army alone we're down to levels of post vietnam war and, and we can't fight a war on two fronts if we continue on this path. I'm afraid we may not be able to. And there's a group of aviators I talk to who tell me that right now we're sitting at about uh, the number of aviators that we will lose either from the, the vaccine damage or from the ones that are getting called out is equivalent to the 12th largest air force in the world. And that's something that the people that listeners need to, to understand. This is a national security level thing. I'm working at the political and strategic level now speaking to people, but I get these stories from the people that are still in and these guys are, you know, bless their hearts. They're, they're, they're working as hard as they can and trying to maintain their force, which is a tough deal. It is. And this is, as with you, I share that point. There's a real heartbreaking issue to this because there's so many young, good young men and women who came in to serve their nation only to be jacked by this policy. And it is either compromise their health or force them into literally I always like to use the term from Star Trek, the Kobayashi Maru scenario, where it's 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 the no win, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that scenario, because you you want to stand up. Look, I ha I had commanders with me that would nod their heads. Literally, there was a there was a one star and a and a bird colonel standing behind that two star when he was in my chili, and uh, and the colonel did stand up and he did the right thing and he and he stood up for his troops. But the one star like almost gave me a thumbs up, like good job, doc but wouldn't say anything, wouldn't say anything. And the, and the doctor that was over me, the bird colonel that was over me, who called me and said, you're fired, subsequently has retired. And then since then called me and said, I'm really sorry. I see what's happening now. I'm sorry what happened to you. We shouldn't have done that to you. You see what happens when people wake up? Yep. But when they're under the thumb and the fear and the whatever, that, that, that you know, the seventh army value is called personal courage. Well, if you exercise personal concern for number seven, then you're a coward to me. 
I fully agree. I mean, I, I'm. This is one of these things that, sadly, we are just not seeing the courage in our command staff, and I and I don't know that it's uh, anything brand new. From my experience, I've seen a lot of that waning. And what's interesting to me is your rank, which is lieutenant colonel, and the number of lieutenant colonels that I have worked with over time Mm -hmm. that were strong in the force when colonels were not. Mm -hmm. And yet here we are again in that there's almost a a voice of lieutenant colonels that has been leading this fight in the Army. Is, Is that fair to say? Brother, you're just hitting like major home runs here. Okay, so one of the channels that I speak to on the backside is is a group of O5s. And we've had this discussion. We say, what is it about this rank? And I said to the guys, I said, listen, the thing that's about this rank is, is that we are close enough to where we had just come out of combat, where what what's the, what do we operate in under under in combat is the truest virtue of a warrior, which I call love, right? You you love your people next to you and be, you know, to your left and right. You love your families behind you. We operate in love. We don't, we don't shoot the enemy because we hate them. I mean, there's moments of, of rage, but it's not about hate. If you do, you're operating in the wrong environment. It's about love. And so we are still close. We're still in touch with that, that person that was there a few years ago, right? In combat, like literally right there with blood all over us. And some of us, you know, including me getting, you know, shot up and blown up. So what is it about that? That's what it is because they're still in touch with that the personality it's about relationships you know it's a it's a green beret it's a soft uh, imperative you know people are more important than hardware it's the first one actually so if if we still operate in that we still feel that love and we still see that it's just a lot harder to sell your soul and when you get to that colonel rank and above it's it's political uh not all of them like i said that one colonel that was standing back there he was all over it and uh and resigned his commission over it because he he stood up as well Look, there's a lot of there's a lot of martyrs out there, and and that's the that's the the tough thing about this. But those of us, are, you you hit it the nail on the head. It's the 05 rank for me at the staff level. It really is. I'm stunned. I mean, I I look back to who I worked with in Afghanistan, and and one person that we have already discussed that we both worked with was at the time for me Lieutenant Colonel Chris Riga. Yes, just an unbelievable commander. I it was, it was just oh, and he and I were good friends. And it was a, just to kind of, there was a cross threading with uh, general Scott Miller and man, he just, and it was just a misunderstanding of why I was in a certain place. Mm -hmm. And Reagan just took it right to the general. He's like, what is the problem? I'm the one and took full responsibility for why I was there because he had asked me to be there. But when I looked at that, I'm like, you don't see that in other, other ranks, A, a boldness and a courage to stand up and speak truth. And this is what you've done and what others are doing. And it's just very, it's very heartening to know that it's there, but it's very, it's, it's heartbreaking to know how little of it is happening across the entire force. Correct. And that, and that's when, when I had uh, that, that Colonel that I'm speaking about, you know, he, uh, I'll say his name. He's a, he's a hero, you know, Kevin Boats, he's out now. Um, He, he went to the command for me before they did that. And he was in the meeting with all the generals and he said that they were all, this is this is cowardice to me, but this is the way it happened with the state adjutant general in the room, all trying to figure out how to get rid of me. And they said, well, Chambers is an anti-vaxxer. And he said, no, he actually took the first round of shots because he wanted to be down there. He told him that he couldn't be down there unless he took them. So I did. And I do. I regret it. No, not at all. Because, uh, you know, Paul talks about in the Bible, got a thorn in your side. I don't know what it is but I'm going to rejoice in it. And so I do, because it put me in a place where I could speak with authority and say, no, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I've taken every shot you all have given me to include things you've never even heard of before. And we'll continue to 
stand in the gap. You think that I'm going to put my own self in front of these soldiers, my career. You think that I, you know, I've taken a bullet, you know, with soldiers before you think that I'm going to, you know, worry about the career now. So that emboldened us, all of us. And, and, and when every time that we would speak, other people would join in with us. And that's what, that's why the soldiers like uh, Colonel uh, Taylor on, on Omaha beach did when he went through the, you know, Bangalore torpedo and the wires said, follow me. There's only two kinds of soldiers on this beach, the dead and those who will die a bird Colonel on the beach. Wow. That's what you need. You do. Let's talk a little bit about the culture of special forces because it has changed. I, I was part of kind of it's a period of time that I was working with them that there was reclaiming some of their roots, which was the UW and the engagement piece That's right. because they had gone so far into the direct action component with the surge in Iraq. Right. And it was amazing. And I think this is um, part of this is that I, I kind of want to zero in on is how quickly that systemic knowledge was lost. So basically from 2003 to 2008, a large focus of the the special forces groups other than first group had been heavily zeroed in on direct action. Right. So the knowledge of doing UW started to, to really degrade very quickly. That's a risk that we currently face, I think right now with special forces, mm-hmm. because there is you, the, the, even the even just the example that you're setting of the commander to step up and speak to truth, we're just not seeing that. What, what's your concern for that in the long run? Well, the concern for it is is exactly what we're built to do. I mean, if you want direct action, join the Rangers, and I love them to death, and we need to have them. We need Marines, and we need all those people that that charge the line uh, or kick doors down and very eloquently can do that. And so could my guys, and you know, I was uh, a part of that. But. but um, when we get away from the relational things that we have to do at the at the at the uh, village level, if you will, the Montagnard level or the Pashtunistan level, where you're doing village stability ops, where you're actually building a force out and and and, and uh, fielding it, um, to do to do these uh, lesser uh, kinetic operations, if you will, in in the in the UW sense, where you're building an auxiliary, a guerrilla force, and it, and and all of that. Um, a support mechanism that that requires years and years. That's what makes you an expert in this stuff. But but you got to do it. It's not the fault of our guys that did DA for years. It burned us out. Believe me, there there are guys out there with twelve combat deployments kicking doors, and they and they and they pay the price. And they, and that price comes in you know PTSD or PTS. I like to say unless you're dysfunctional, but uh, you know that that's the price you pay for that over and over again. That's what that force was not made to do. And it may be sexy and all that. It may make a lot of good movies, but it is not what it's intended to do. And that decreases that force multiplication capacity, period. I think people forget it, it only took 500, I think it was 565 guys to topple the entire nation That's of right. Afghanistan. Yeah, the triple nickel boys. Yeah. The five, exactly. Five, yeah. 555. Five, five. Yeah. And it was, um, and it was, it, just a handful of CIA operators, which ended up getting too much media. Yeah. But the, but the other guys, I mean, all special forces that pulled that entire thing off. Mm-hmm. And I think that in my opinion, especially as I, I got to work with some of the spooks, um, I think that really shook up a lot of people as to how effective mm-hmm. special forces was. Would you agree with that? Yes. I would say that the, uh, the combination of special forces, a really good, uh, and I'm going to give credit to the air force here, a really good, uh, JTAC or, or CCT, you know, combat controller, somebody that can talk with radio on the ground to somebody flying really fast overhead and the pilots behind the sticks of those birds, that common combination right there is what did that. And now, 
You have to understand though, but the, but the, the relationships have to happen. And that's why our training is so important because we learn those languages. I was a Farsi Dari speaker. I mean, that's what we did. And that, that ingratiates you to, to enter into those realms where you can walk in seamlessly sometimes, but then uh, enter into their culture and then, uh, you know, get them to do things for you that normally it would be very difficult to get things people to do. And so uh, all in, all in the, the understanding that this is, uh, you know, the motto, de oppresso libera, to, to, lib, you know, to liberate the oppressed, uh, to free the oppressed. So I believed in that mantra, so did my guys. And when you just focus on uh, direct action, you, you lose a little bit of that. And it's hard to maintain it. It's a skill. It's a perishable skill. And uh, yeah, it's uh, we'll, we'll get it back. We, we just got to get, you know, got to get these mandates pulled. We did that. I just spent the last uh, month in the uh, in the capital region working on the NDAA, speaking to senators and congressmen and and going to bat for the uh for the whistle, the other whistleblowers that are behind me that are still on active duty, who are taking a beating as well, but uh, or more than I am now. But uh, yeah, we're we're doing it. It's just we've got to reinstate a lot of these soldiers, airmen, marines. So as they've pulled back this mandate, mm-hmm. and now we've heard some talk either from Austin or Millie about potentially giving them back pay, etc. I'm also getting a different type of feedback, which is many of them are saying. They don't want anything to do with the military anymore. They just want to see people put dealt with ju- through justice. <laughs> yeah. Are you getting any of that? Well, you know, when I changed my email to uh, Nuremberg 2.0 doc, yeah, that that kind of tell you where I where I'm where my mind is. Um, but uh, be honest with you, uh, we it was a hold your breath and wait kind of thing for us when the mandate did get pulled. Uh, they did not on the Senate side were unable to get the vote that they, we wanted to get those reinstatements. Also, the holding of orders, you know, the flagging of orders, so people couldn't progress in their rank structures. The TDYs, the classes, all the other things that makes a soldier a soldier. And I'm I keep saying soldier, but understand across the board, sailors and all that. But the the stories that come out today, I'm just going to give one that's today. It's hot off the presses. It's uh, you know, I can say her name. It's out there on open source. Lieutenant, I'm sorry, Lance Corporal Catherine Arnett. She's sitting there in Okinawa and she's on her way, potentially on her way to the brig right now for uh not taking the shots. Okay. But because she didn't do what they said to do, which was PCR tests every week and all this other stuff, she is potentially under UCMJ going to be fully charged and imprisoned for not doing that. So they're they're going to bring her back stateside and she'll face some kind of charges if if we don't intervene. So we we got our forces together. We're letting you know her congressmen and senators know, and we'll see what happens with that. But, but nobody knows about those stories. We don't hear about those stories. These are these are the shadow regs, if you will, that uh, are going on behind the scenes. This is sounding more and more as you as you kind of painted this story that now that we're in this sort of post mandate period, mm-hmm. now it's almost like they want to punish. And I've seen this happen firsthand. Mm-hmm. I mean, they want to they'll go back and punish those mm-hmm. that had the courage to stand up, almost to make an example for everybody else to remind them. But in the future, don't question us. Is that a misperception? No, it's not a misperception. The things that I have seen firsthand that I've fact witnessed to in, in a court case particularly um, are, are things that you could see like in a movie like the A Few Good Men. I mean, these, these things are unreal. The amount of uh, coercion, the amount of hiding, the amount of uh, backstabbing that takes place from people that should have honor, courage, and commitment. People that should have personal courage uh, and not concern. That that 
that to me is what uh, thrills me when I hear that uh, somebody is, you know, for example, in Texas, state of Texas, two of our generals went down, um, one was relieved, the other one um, resigned conveniently, the one that got in my chili, um, and I'll say his name, I don't care, General Aris, he went down, or he didn't go down, he resigned. So that was from Seals versus Lloyd Austin case when I testified on that and said, this is what they did. And here's the letter telling me to recuse myself if I cannot convince soldiers to, to take the shots. They didn't like it. It was unfortunate, but it was a court case. But sitting right next to me the night before was Teresa Long getting ready to testify. She got a call from her command. Her command told her, bear in mind, a, a person that has a wit witness uh, protection, a person that's under a federal court order, so it's tampering with a witness, a person that has whistleblower protection, the piece of paper that barely worth what it's written on, uh, by Senator Johnson, no, no ding on him, it's just this is what they feel, that they being the command. Uh, they called her and said, while I was sitting in the room, while all of us were sitting in the room with Liberty Council lawyers in present, and told her she will not testify. You will not testify with what, you, what you've seen on the damage of the soldiers. So she got on the stand and told Judge Meriday, in Tampa, Florida, in a federal court case, sir, I've been ordered not to answer any questions. <laughs> Nothing's happened to those commanders. Wow. Well, I mean, this is, I, I'm really trying to wrap my head around where this, the, the disconnect between health of the soldiers and following a blind policy that wasn't even, it's an unlawful order mm -hmm. and how this gets so convoluted. And, and, and I'm, I'm, obviously, we've got careers at stake and there's political pressure, but is it just that or is it something worse? Is it something worse? Wow, that's the, the million-dollar question, right? Um, is it something worse? I would say that based upon the actions that I've seen from our Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, I don't know about Millie. I don't know where he stands if he's just taking orders or whatever. Once again, just following orders isn't an answer. But uh, the actions of Lloyd Austin have been, have made me question his his uh patriotism his um his standards his history in the military it made me question that uh because he's doing everything he can to undermine truth if you made a mistake you made a mistake and you pivot off the mistake and you say roger that made a mistake but when the dmed data gets presented and the senator looks in the camera and says Department, Department of Defense, Lloyd Austin, I'm holding you accountable. Do not mess with this DMED data. And literally 48 hours later, it, there was a glitch, as was reported in Politico, uh, never reported directly to the senator, uh, as the Secretary of Defense seemingly thumbed his nose at the, uh, at the sitting senator. So I don't know what world that is, but in my world where I came up in, in the military, there was a, you were, if you were a leader, you're responsible for everything that happened or failed to happen. And, uh, you know, if you made a mistake, you make a mistake, you fess up, but you pivot, you pivot off of it. Uh, I haven't seen that. And that, that to me questions, uh, that loyalty. One of my big concerns as I got to know many of the commanders, especially working up in the labs up in the Northeast mm -hmm. is the, and I wasn't even aware of this at the time until it kind of opened my eyes to the number of senior level officers that rotate through the CFR. Council of Foreign Relations right. as, as a internship or whatever they call that sabbatical. And I, this gets often sounding conspiratorial, but this is in content of what they're pushed. There's a big emphasis and, or it was anyway, a huge emphasis 
on the globalization, Europhile, integration with NATO, one force concept, which always ends up degrading the, the uniqueness and responsibility of the republic and what that stands for. When I look now at where we're, sta- where we're sitting, and uh, I'm just going to let you answer this however you feel. I'm just going to kind of make a statement here. Yeah. Um, we're in a situation right now where we have a, a sitting by name president, we'll leave it at that, mm-hmm. who we know there's not even a dispute anymore that there is an active process of classified documents being processed through for payment and back payment uh, with a known enemy of the country, which would be China. And we have a absolute silence coming from our military when in our own oath, it speaks, which the oath never dies, protect mm-hmm. enemies, foreign and domestic. Right. Kind of just give your snapshot on that. Wow. Yeah. So the oath, you know, you, you, uh, you know, I'm out, I'm out of uniform. So I, I still protect against domestic at this point, because if somebody's doing it for their own gain, or as you allude to the um, war college where they send those uh, senior commanders to go through and rotate through there, um, it develops relationships on that side. And a lot of them end up going and getting seven figure jobs when they leave for the military industrial complex. And if you, if what I believe is true that the, the world is chock full of, uh, you know, globalists that are um, bureaucratic in nature, but also, uh, tied to the, the the large corporations, the the big vanguards, Black Rocks, all those things. If they're if they're tied to them, if there is some sort of agenda, if there is truly a, an agenda that was was hastened a little bit, was put into motion earlier because of the election of Trump, where he wasn't really the one that they chose, right? Um, you know, whether you'd whether I'd have beers with the guy or not is is a side story, but uh, you know, he was the guy we needed at the time, in my my opinion. Um, to, to put that into motion, but they went into high gear. And, and so what I'm seeing now is that there's a lot of confusion on that side. Um, but with, when it comes to these commanders that are out there who take jobs with sometimes with foreign nations and, it, and it's uh, counter to the uh, constitution of this Republic of which you're in. And if they keep using the term democracy, that kind of cues me as to where their mind is at. And these are former generals that are working at these corporations and, um, they 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 never had it to begin with. They never they never really swore that oath really with an understanding of what they were saying. I think that's well said. Let's pivot a bit down to the border. You've been there. You've seen sure. firsthand this threat. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk a little bit about that because that is not a joke. It's not at all. No, sir. Right. No, I'm currently working on that right now as we speak. Uh, I work for a think tank now out of Austin, Texas, and uh, it's a bunch of military guys that are out now. We are advising Governor Abbott's office on uh, the invasion that he has declared, although it has not given full teeth to it yet, in my opinion, uh, to 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 stave off the nefarious actors coming across. And a good friend of mine right now is down in the the Darien Gap is a former Green Beret, Michael Yan, who had a job similar to yourself uh, downrange and in, in reporting in combat. Um, Michael's down there doing that. But what I saw. Two years ago, uh, roughly about 12,000 people coming across a week. And some of these people are innocents. I got it. They're being used in this human osmotic pressure portion of the invasion. But through those gaps and through those seams, just like in combat, uh, when you got 1,248 miles of border and you got to man it 24-7 and you got now 6,000 to 7,000, maybe 8,000 troops on the border uh, for the state with rules of engagement that are pretty tight 
uh, to where they can't really intervene. They can't really do much. They can spot and report. Uh, when you have that, you don't really have teeth in it. Uh, we're sitting at about 30,000 a week now. That's three times as, or two times, three times as many. Uh, so we, I, I, I see that. And, and once again, in those seams and gaps comes through fentanyl, comes through terrorists, comes through uh, bad actors with cartels. Those are narco terrorists. They are terrorists um, bringing guns north, um, money south, fentanyl north, and human trafficking uh, heavily involved. We're in a semi-permissive environment on the border. That's like being in Amman, Jordan, when we're fighting in Syria. You're right next door. In, in, and I say it's about 90 miles into Texas, uh, where Sheriff Coe just recently asked for a uh, call to action for Kenny County down there, uh, down in the on the way just past uh, Del Rio, on the way to Big Ben. Uh, he's got a small department. He needs help. He's not getting the help that he needs. Um, there are things that he can do in the meantime, uh, and then we, we're helping to assist in these small think tanks uh, to advise the governor's staff on what to do there. And it's 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 a fight. Our Declaration of Independence, in my opinion, is probably one of the most important founding documents we have mm-hmm. because it establishes ultimately our right to protect our sovereignty as the people. And that's pretty clear in the second paragraph. Mm-hmm. There's a point here. That when the government fails to do the job, that people will have the right or can assume the right to step up. And I'm and in no way am I advocating violence. I'm going to be very clear here. Mm-hmm. But we are approaching rapidly a point when if the governments are failing, it would seem that the only solution is going to be the American patriot to stand in the gap. Yes. Yes and yes. Yeah. It, it, it is happening now. I mean, we we talk about it, but when I go down to the border now, and when I meet with landowners who have hired their own um, security services to protect their assets and their families, when I hear about Houston being the number one trafficking and kidnapping uh, sanctuary for um, cartels, yeah, when I when I hear about it firsthand, yes, that's where we're at. Um, and the Tenth Amendment in the last paragraph in the last sentence that a state has the right to uh, by state sovereignty, as far as I know. There were 13 colonies that were uh, that became states that uh, ratified a constitution in 1787, and the federal government was not superior to the state governments. The sovereignty remained. We have a state department for that reason. The state department deals with other states, but we are states as well, and we we need to exercise those sovereignties. Those governors have more authority than they think they know. The sheriffs do as well. And if we get those people to stand up, and we are in many counties on the border, uh, being supported by their their local, um, and then what we've done in Texas, I, I'll tell you what we've done. It's it's you know I'm, I stay far away from the M word, the militia word. It's not that, even though a well regulated militia is what we talk about. But we we have neighborhood watch programs, and we register with sheriff's office, and we assist them, and that's what we do because that's what I grew up doing in a small town. We we take care of each other. And sometimes you have to defend yourself and promise you this. When Sheriff Coe has a, a, an office full of weapons this year, when I went down to see him, as opposed to last year, and I said, where did all these weapons come from? He said, we're taking weapons across, uh, uh, taking weapons away from these cartel guys now. Whereas before we didn't have that problem. We're seeing the escalation of the uh, techniques, tactics, and practices. Yeah, this is, this is not a good situation. Texas is a unique state in the union 
it obviously it has its own gold reserves. It has a certain independence within its acceptance of being in the state. It also mm-hmm. has the Texas Rangers, which I believe are the only state law enforcement that have cross-border and international warrant authority. Yes, sir. And so this is giving Texas obviously a little more latitude. Are you seeing work with the Texas Rangers being able to assist in this, or are they as well straddled by some of this policy of, uh, that we're dealing with? You know, we worked heavily with them. I was a liaison with uh, many of the different entities in the Department of Public Safety and, and the Texas Rangers and uh, and DHS, et cetera. Those are, those are the Fed side, Border Patrol. But on the state side, the Texas Rangers working heavily down there, yes, investigating, but they also have an action arm. And it's a uh, it's a, it's a, you know, it's chock full of guys like me that, uh, you know, went to that side to go to work and they're doing ranger things of old and they're, and they're getting after it. But, you know, honestly, there's just, uh, when you're looking for a needle in a needle stack with 1,248 miles, it's tough. You know, it's not impossible. It's just tough. And it, and it, and it's a lot of sleepless nights. You know, there are no vacations, no holidays, no weekends. It's like being downrange. And, and, I, I cherished that job. I would have stayed on it for another two years if they had let me, but uh, it was time for me to come off and, and, and I could do more good here. But yeah, the Texas Rangers, uh, stalwarts. Uh, yeah, they're, 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 they are they are down there hot and heavy in it. Are they able to go across the border? Not right now. And that, those are authorities. But under the 10th Amendment, they can. They should. Um, but uh, that's something that you know the governor has to decide. Sure. Paint a picture than what you see right now. The states, you and I both shared the experience of overseas Middle East in, in an UW environment. We're mm-hmm. looking now at a, at a, we come back to this nation. We mm-hmm. find that so much of what we were fighting against has managed to sleep, slip in from the backside here in, mm-hmm. in corrupting our body politic, uh, turning a lot of the institutional, the public-private partnership, their fancy word they love to use for, which is essentially a, a massive launch of the fifth generation of warfare against the innocent people of the United States. Where do you see this going? And in your view and just your, your professional assessment, where do you see some of the challenges and some of the, uh, the opportunities perhaps that are moving forward? Right. So what I see is I, I see their game plan got, got moved up a little bit and they didn't, they weren't ready to handle it. I see the Davos people scared. They are cowards. Um, they have money, they have uh, wherewithal. They, they have, um, they have control over our, our large corporations, our our uh, our food industry, our our energy production. You know, energy. When I look out in the Permian Basin, I see a quarter of our pump jacks pumping oil out of the ground. It concerns me when I see you know my truck's a diesel and it's you know out east it's five dollars a gallon. Um, when I see those things, those are indicators. When I see you know trucks slowing down on the highway because they can't get uh, the diesel exhaust fluid, you know once the semi shut down, you don't have resupply. When you don't have resupply, you don't get your you don't get your uh, diabetes meds at your pharmacy. So we're we're really fragile right now when it comes to the logistics side of this thing. In a fifth generation warfare sense, I would say that we're in a in the three different strata of uh, permissiveness. If, if permissive environment was 1950 United States and everything was hunky-dory and everybody was happy, we're not there anymore. We're in a semi-permissive environment across this whole nation when it comes to fifth-generation warfare. This is not kinetic. God help us if it becomes kinetic. But when they people say, do you think there'll be a civil war? I'll say, well, the mainstream media is not telling you that there is a civil war between civilians, war going on in places like Portland, currently in Atlanta. That is a civil war. It's not blue versus gray anymore. It's not, 
uh, haves, have-nots. It is uh, useful idiots versus people that just want joy, people that just want to live their lives, go to work, take care of their families. That's what we have going on right now. These useful idiots, which were the brown shirts of Germany under Hitler, uh, will be squashed if they win. If we win, we will never be back to what we were, or we will be back to something that is close to what we were, but that's going to take us about 10 to 15 years. And I'm just being honest. Um, you know, I'm, I'm looking at what it's going to take to clean out the, the, uh, the deep state on the hill, you know, the, uh, whether they're rhinos or whether they're elephants. You know, I, I mentioned that on a show today. Uh, I said, you know, it's the elephant in the room and it's, and it's political. And I said, you know what? It's the elephant and the donkey in the, in the room because it's political. You know, th this is these people that are up there, they don't represent us. There are, there are a handful that I would stand behind right now, but a handful. And that's a shame. Um, but we can't put all of our hope in that because hope is not a plan. We got to put our hope in what we know, what we see in front of us in a semi-permissive environment and be prepared. You got to be prepared, just like where I live, Tornado Alley. You know, you, you prepare for a tornado. Uh, you prepare for shortages. Be prepared for uh, famine in certain places. Maybe not the kind that, you know, was the red famine of U Ukraine after Stalin came through, but uh, we could see that. We don't want to see that, but I don't think we'll get there. I think we're going to have shortages of food. Um, you know, Victory Gardens are a thing. Um, we want to also be prepared or understand that uh, peaceful noncompliance when it comes to the next pandemic, because any of these pandemics are a bunch of crap. Uh, I'll tell you that firsthand. Uh, putting on a diaper on your face or a mask is not going to you know, do anything other than give those globalists a warm fuzzy that they they controlled you. So just stop with that stuff. It's ridiculous. Uh, don't take any shots. Don't trust anything that says mRNA on it. Uh, the the patents were there way before COVID was a thing. Uh, that's the fact. Uh, I'm not even going to use the word biowarfare and try to explain it because I won't. But I'll just tell you that what I know and what I believe leads me to believe that I don't ever want to see another one of those weapons put in anybody's arm. Well, I tell you, I fully agree with all that. Is there a place people can follow you or um, support sure. you? Anyway? Yeah. Um, yeah. The best way is just, uh, I have a website. It's Dr. Pete Chambers, you know, P-E-T-E, you know, D-R. It's drpetechambers.com. And that website is not made so that I can get famous. It's, and I don't take any money off of it. It is basically a, a repository of information, lines of effort that I'm working on. So people can see and go to it. And I can, when I'm driving down the road, say, hey, get on my lines of effort. Look at page five of you know, the uh, weaponization of public health, you know, look at what the legislators allowed to come through through NDAAs, XORDs, and, and UCRs. And then uh, the other place that I really operate in, in the space and Truth Social, I'm there, but also on uh, Telegram is really where I do most of my work um, because I do report something daily on there. And Telegram is, uh, uh, if you have a place to put it on there, it's docpete underscore LFW, which stands for look for work the mantra of CQB. So Doc <laughs> Pete underscore LFW. No, we're, we're um, Bart's yeah. FM is big on the whole community is big on telegram. So I'll make sure we get that out. That's fantastic. That's really good. Yeah. So, thanks, Appreciate you. Hey, Pete, we always do a prayer at the end of the show. If it's okay, I'll do a prayer. Yes, sir. Okay. Absolutely. Father, I just want to thank you for this blessed meeting. Once again, just raising up the voice of strong warriors in particular, the origins of special forces, which have honored our nation in so many ways. And from the very conception, 
Their mission has always been the defense of this nation and its people through unconventional means. I want to thank you for the blessing of uh, Dr. Pete Chambers for all he's done and continues to do for the fight of the soldier and the fight of truth. We want to pray for our soldiers and their continued fight for truth and all of those involved in that. Bless them, guide them, provide them with the resources they need for success as we face this enemy toe to toe and we do not bow. We say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'll tell you, great conversation, sir. I just really appreciate it. It's just awesome. Um, Absolutely. My, it's been my pleasure. I, I like talking to uh, fellow ground pounders with me. <laughs> well, we've done a little bit of that. So that's awesome. Yes, well, I, I really, I hope you stay safe in all you're doing. I know you got a lot of fight. Keep it, keep me in the loop. I'd like to get you back on as things yeah. move along. Cause I, you've got some great irons in the fire here for, for some good fights. And um, yes, sir. Yeah. And I'll, uh, I'll, I'll point some other, some other heroes out to you that would be able to hit it from different angles as well. That's awesome. Well, have a very blessed day. Enjoy your cows, by the way, if you're still pushing. <laughs> yeah, <it>. roger that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. God bless. Thanks, Talk brother. to you soon. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Well, Patriots, that was Lieutenant Colonel retired Pete Chambers, also Doc Pete Chambers. He is a medical doctor. Just an incredible voice in this time and an important one, obviously, because he's really at the point of the spear of taking on the monster of Department of Defense to protect and save our soldiers. He's, um, we need a lot more of that. I've been blessed to have worked with some amazing and powerful commanders in my time, true American heroes in uniform. I would have loved to have served with him. He is, he is one of that type. And that's when I have interviews like this, for me, this is very personal in many ways because this is the type of people that I would say I, of the tribe I know the best and the ones that have been such great influence on my life with such great strength, and there's so many of them, unfortunately not enough of them at this point in time in the midst of the fight that we're facing, but they're there. And many of them are veterans, and the one thing I think we can all be really very reassured with is as a class of veterans, this is, in the end of the day, it's the seminal line for this nation. And those that have served and I speak personally and as a collective whole of those that I know. It's the last thing you want to have to do to come off the bench to save the nation. But it's something you will do and you will do without hesitation if it finally gets so bad that you have to. The one thing I've said many times is at the time, if that clock or that bell tolls and if we arrive at a point such as this, Stay out of their way because if the cleaning has to come from the veterans, I will guarantee you it will be epic and that's easy to celebrate until you see what that means. So let's pray that we can find our way through this without having to get to that magnitude of an event. But the one thing you can be reassured of and knowing that the veterans of this nation hold the hold to keep the flame alive. Now, that also said, I say this, I've been saying this regularly, and I really want this heard. That's why for those of you in uniform that have held out against this vax, who have pushed back against the Department of Defense, who have refused to comply to an illegal order, God bless you. You have given an example for generations yet to come that will wear the uniform. You have given inspiration to a nation as we settle through this insanity to realize that you are the true heroes of this fight in uniform. And you have given us hope that we can restore and revitalize this nation from within in certain ranks, though it will not be easy. 
but you've done the right thing. So thank you. Hold on. Hold the line. And know that this out here where we are out of uniform now and in some that was haven't worn the uniform but in this world, for those that have held that line, you are always loved. You always have a place and you will always be respected. So great job and thank you very much. So patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time and this place for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I will see you tonight for Fishers of Men. Until then or until the next time. God bless. And out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable, that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made, therefore they can be solved by man, and man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable, and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs, and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who moved forward and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion, which we bring to this endeavor, will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country.
an old evil that has waited thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples, it has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. We push. We climb. We never give in. We become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray. We stand. We live by the words, in God we trust. We fear nothing. We are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath. <laughs>